A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series, The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond. Welcome to the White House Plumbers Podcast. I'm David, and we're the Lorehounds, your guides to hiking, camping, snowmobiling, and... And I'm John, and this is our coverage of the HBO original series, White House Plumbers. In this podcast, we're going to give our quick takes on this new limited series before discussing what we felt as our key moments, and then discussing in depth several of the major plot points for episode two. Please destroy this, huh? Be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast for programming notes about our podcasting schedule for the rest of May. Quick housekeeping for early and ad-free episodes and exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash the lorehounds and uh, help us get to our one year anniversary goal of 100 subscribers. We'll have more details about the new benefits and the gift that we're giving to all our subscribers by the end of July at the end of the podcast. If you're enjoying our content and want to give us a leg up, leave us a review and or rating on Apple Podcasts. Ratings and reviews help us worm our way into the halls of power. I mean, help new listeners find us. Reviews especially help potential new listeners get a sense of what we're about. And the more listeners we have, the more we can keep making podcasts. A quick reminder that for this limited series, we're doing a short form recap. But to make these podcasts a little more fun, we're asking for your help to help us break down the episode. So send us your thoughts, comments, and questions. Send emails to lorehounds at thelorehounds.com or head to our website. And there you can either use the voicemail feature or the contact form. You can also post messages on our Discord server link in the show notes below, and we'll try and include those comments as well. Look for the White House Plumbers channel once you're on the server. All right, David, you want to give us a quick uh, log line, a quick synopsis sure. of the episode before we break this down? Yeah, grab this uh, episode synopsis from uh, IMDb, and it says, while Hunt and Dorothy entertain Liddy and his former wife, Fran, at their exclusive country club, their kids, Lisa and St. John, paint a less than perfect portrait of family life. Later on the outs with Nixon's attorney general, John Mitchell, Hunt and Liddy get a chance to redeem themselves when a leaked memo from Dita Beard puts Mitchell and the administration in legal jeopardy. John, what was your favorite laugh out loud moment from the episode? Mine was when Hunt bursts through the door of his bathroom and his daughter's fine. He, he knows <laughs> that she's fine and his wife is playing right into her, her like weird scheme to get attention or something. And 
And his and Hunt just goes, "All right, that's it. I'm breaking down the store. I'm getting to the White <laughs> right. House." He was very getting really fed up. Yeah, the yeah. whole scene was a cacophony yeah. of yell. Everybody was, "Don't yell at me! I'm not yelling at you. You you stop yelling right. at them." Yeah, it was right. Pretty and and just her sitting casually in the bathroom with her legs out and, <laughs> right. and just just chilling. You know, I yeah. mean, come on, that's comedy. Yeah. What about you, David? Uh, I the one that made me chuckle the loudest was when. Woody Harrelson smacks his pointer against the poster of Project Sapphire when Justin Thoreau says <laughs> hookers and it's like this whack hookers. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was like, whoa, good. it was it was pretty hilarious. I, I have to say, I want all of those posters. I really, really hope that that merch for those different all the different Project Gemstone oh, posters is available because that is cool. But the originals uh, were burned. Well, the, the <laughs> art department of uh, HBO, somebody's got those. So, like, make some copies and sell them. Yeah, make we'll some, see if the show money. gets big enough to warrant that. Yeah, I don't think so. What are you feeling for the show overall at, at episode two? Uh, I am liking it, not loving it. I think it's got a few chuckles in there, no belly laughs. Mm-hmm. And I think that it, it's certainly not as funny as Veep was, and it's not as well-crafted as Veep was. Mm, interesting. But okay. it's enjoyable you know i mean i i like the story of watergate i like seeing these people bumble through it and uh the acting is great the writing is pretty tight the like the dialogue is pretty tight Mm -hmm. uh the plots do feel a little bit both fast place and dragging fast pace Mm. and dragging at the same time it's strange we're we're sort of going through a bunch of stuff but i'm like i don't know if i care about this enough to keep going on this Mm, right do you ever catch yourself looking at your phone or anything like that no, because I, I usually am watching it at like 3 a.m. And I if I multitask, <laughs> I won't be able to do anything. Right. Yeah. No, that's rather difficult. Yeah, I'm I'm um, feeling a similar vibe. Uh, it's good. Uh, it's not great. Uh, I'm enjoying. I'm being entertained. That is for sure. I just wish it wasn't in this, uh, this uh, flood of content that we have. We don't have any major tentpole shows. It's a lot of you know, middle tier shows all happening at at once. And uh, I'm having trouble getting my hooks really into this. I really, really wanted to like this one. I was really excited to see it and it's, it's entertaining, but when like say compared to Barry or or Ted Lasso, I don't think it's rising to that level of enjoyment, at least in the enjoyment factor. Like I'm really enjoying Ted Lasso and Barry is fascinating in, in many ways. And so it's got me hooked different ways. So yeah, yeah. Cool. I don't know what I'm learning from this. You know what mm. I mean? I don't know. I don't know what truth about the human condition is being exposed with this. Mm-hmm. And as much as Veep was a comedy, it did sort of shine a light on how people in power abuse that power and how yeah. people treat each other in those situations where other people are vulnerable and when people will bend their morals when it benefits them to gain more power. I felt like I got a lot of that from Veep. I don't okay. feel like I'm getting that from this show. I'm not really sure what the point is. Right. I think the main point is just, hey, the people who were involved in Watergate were morons. Right. That's like the main point of the show. And I don't know if that works as a premise. They're 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 as crazy. We're we're dialing it up a little bit, but yeah, these guys were this kind of crazy and the whole yeah. Nick's administration was sort of this kind of crazy. Yeah, but do we do is it do is this the show that we needed for right now? Right. I, I don't know. Right. I think the show would have done better. I think the show would have done better a couple years ago when impeachment okay. was a hot topic. Mm, interesting. 
And now I think that people are, I think people are honestly tired of talking about it. Right. Of kind of a political, little bit, you know, like yeah. it was in the news for so long that, right. which is kind of crazy that, you know, we're living in that time, but normalization. I, I, yeah. yeah. But I, I do think that it, it takes like, like Watergate for the longest time was like the biggest scandal ever that huge, nothing could top. And now it's just sort of like, well, we've had a couple more presidents impeached now. So <laughs> is it as special? Right. You know, there's nothing like your first, but is, is it as special? Right. I, I think it's important that we do have a historical perspective on this, but yeah, I think show the show's relevance uh, in timing, um, yeah, are aren't perfectly matched. And when it's in this uh, uh, flood of other uh, similar um, ranked shows, it's hard to pick the noise out from the the signal here. Yeah, you know what's fascinating is. Bud Crow's book, which I read, I finished it, the White House wow. Plumber's book. Nice. It's very short. I did it on audiobook. It was a four-hour audiobook okay. at one time speed. But uh, it really only covers episode one's content plus the legal ramifications. Interesting. Plus like how he got caught, basically. It okay. does not cover any of the other scandals or scams. So uh, I don't know. I, I guess they just like the name White House Plumber's, but I think we're done with any of the content from the book. Right, but I think we're still on trajectory for um, historical uh, fidelity. Yes, uh, yes. To but it. Just, and we've got it's just funny how it sort of diverts there. Sure, for sure. And fortunately, Loremaster Brian uh, eighty sixty three Brian eighty sixty three on our Discord is a professional in presidential history and presidential records, and he sent us a nice email in today, and he's keeping us uh, posted on there. And I think if we see any major divergences. He's going to make sure that we have that information so that we can sort of fact check that the story right. versus uh, uh, um, this this rendition in real time. So um, that said, should we jump into the the major storylines? Let's do it. So we've got three storylines I've written out here: Project Gemstone, Hunt's home life, and Dita Beard. Sounds Let's good. start here with Project Gemstone. Hunt and Liddy present creep with Project Gemstone. Their list of several covert ops to sabotage the chance of a Democrat winning the 1972 election. They are definitely or definitely not willing to kill someone for a fistful of pesos. After initially being rejected and putting their jobs in jeopardy, Project Opal, the gemstone that was a plan to bug the DNC at the Watergate Hotel, was greenlit. Um, so this was a whole, uh, I think Brian even says, uh, that. These this didn't go down like it did. We'll get to his feedback at the end of the, the mm-hmm. email. But this for me was the center point of the episode. All the other stuff was sort of interesting in in different ways, but this was really the heart of the episode for me. I I loved Thoreau's uh, present or presentation. You know his his representation of Liddy uh, yeah, doing this yeah. and with Hunt backing him up. Uh, I love the artwork that they generated for it. Even passing the artwork off as like a spy yes. handoff on the street was <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was, I think we were on the first episode. I think one of my favorite moments was when they asked for a million dollars and they were approved. And then now obviously we sort of get let down uh, here right. and saying, oh, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, and then, you know, Liddy's utter or, or throws presentation of Liddy being utterly upset and dejected at the fact that it was Opal that was the one that was right, actually approved. Right. 
they wanted to go for the 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 yacht. <laughs> they he was willing to send people to die. I couldn't believe it. Right. And and I love Hunt <laughs> trying to backtrack everything mm, that yeah, Liddy yeah. says. You know, <laughs> right? Liddy is down. is just taking everything one or two steps too far. I mean, right. look, from it's, the guy it's all several steps. Hand. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's all several steps too far. Mm-hmm. But I I mean, I think that just watching Hunt sort of go, oh, man, well, I, I want a friend, but this friend is is kind of dragging <laughs> me down with him here. It's a little weird. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Liddy's a guy who's going to put his hand over the flame. And he's yes. that kind of serious. And Hunt is like, whoa, dude, <laughs> take it easy. And and we heard about that in the first episode. I did love seeing it in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then having the, the women be like, please stop. This is very disturbing. <laughs> very disturbing. It I is. Did like, like what? Don't burn your hand. <laughs> no, right in front of other people in the restaurant. I mean, the smell. Oh, my Lord. And, and oh, that. Yeah, I didn't oh. even think of that. Yeah. Wow. Um, I did like the, the fact that they did have him, they had him wearing a bandage, you know, all yeah. the way through there. So the, yeah. I do uh, want to point out the, um, the quick line, you know, like, oh, to, you know, what, what is it? Uh, uh, so uh, what's the, the lineage that his wife is? Uh, Celtic Teutonic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like my yeah. wife, your wife's a hooker. <laughs> yes. That was good. <laughs> that was, that a, was a good chuckle. little who's on first sort of uh, a shtick. So. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of good one liners here. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good like you know little quips. I again, I'm not belly laughing, but I'm consistently chuckling. Yeah, smiling and chuckling for sure. Yeah. And um, Harrelson is just uh, inhabiting this role as Hunt. I yeah, and I think I said this on in the last episode. Normally, when I'm watching Woody Harrelson, I know that I'm watching Woody Harrelson, and I'm fine yeah. watching Woody Harrelson. No, he annoys the shit out of me usually. Okay, got it. But in this one, I don't recognize him as Woody Harrelson. Uh, he's really got, he's really put his physicalness into this role. And I'm, I'm really enjoying yeah. that. I'm yeah. enjoying seeing his portrayal. Yes, I actually think he's doing a great job here. And like I said, he usually annoys me. So mm-hmm. this is a good change up for me. Nice. He is, he is doing a good job actually acting and not just being himself. Yeah. And Justin Throw looks like G. Gordon Liddy. He is now. I don't G. even Gordon know what Lee G. Gordon Liddy looks like. He looks like Justin Theroux, but oh, okay. bald. All right. Well, now bald, but you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's still he, alive. Yeah, yeah. He's oh, fun. He's, he's fun. I wonder if he's watching. He had a podcast for a while. <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> I think he still does. I think it's probably still out there if you want to. Okay. Find it. Okay. Super weird. Uh, yeah. I mean, we just see that Liddy is unhinged. You know, he's clearly racist and really weird about other peoples and people who are not Germanic. <laughs> <laughs> um we we see his his unwillingness to ever back down from something he believes in it's it's a recipe for disaster somebody who has terrible ideas and doubles down on them all the time and is extremely confident in his ideas right all right why don't we talk about hunt's home life sounds like a good plan Hunt and Liddy bring their spouses to the country club where Hunt's daughter damages the property after the manager says something racist to an employee. The manager also informs Hunt that he's four months behind on his bill, something Dorothy is learning about for the first time. Later, Hunt's daughter locks herself in the bathroom and Howard kicks the door in to find her sitting there perfectly well. After the Dita Beard operation, Hunt ruins game night by being a stickler for the rules of Scrabble. Uh, I Just a minor correction. I think... The manager tries to fix the situation. I think his daughter said something to another guest. So whatever. Yeah. It's, I it's thought fine. I thought that she said you you're racist for saying that, and, and uh, 
she said to the the employee, tell him what you said. Right. And I think it was another guest who said it. But anyway, it's a minor quibble. So All right, yeah. whatever. So this was probably the least interesting aspect of the storyline to me. I'm not really sure what it was doing for us in the story. I'm I'm watching the show to watch the antics that Liddy and Hunt get up to. Not so much the very real and normal Mm -hmm. feeling of home life of Hunt. I get that if we had little snippets of it to, to see what's driving Hunt a little bit, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure where this aspect of the story is going to go. Maybe it has to do with the aftermath, uh, and so we're we're get, they're laying some tracks for what happens after they get caught. Um, maybe this is where uh, these these storylines are going to go uh, play into into um, into the into the show, the country club life. Boy, what what a whole weird different. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. don't get it. Yeah, I think country clubs were a, a very much a, a creation of post uh, or desegregation in in America, following the civil right. You know, during the civil rights era, following the civil rights era as well, where you know municipalities would close public resources like swimming pools, yeah, and things like that, to so that you know other so African Americans couldn't use them. And so I think we see the rise of country clubs as part of the move to the suburbs and the closing down of these uh, right. common municipal things. Right. And so these are very rarefied spaces where yeah, they do, yeah. they did, they charged a lot of money to be uh, members of them. Right. And, and still do. Uh, Hunt can't afford it. No. And, well, uh, not after, yeah, have his disgrace at the CIA. He's not on right. a nice salary anymore. Right. And uh, I mean, I think, Part of the reason that this is in here is to show, I think it's two reasons. One is to show he's in financial distress okay. and cannot afford to lose his job. So he's willing to go along with Liddy's antics and not question them as much. Good point. Good point. It's it's pressure on him to uh-huh. do the most. And I mean, what he did was illegal uh, in this episode. He was obstructing justice. He was present- preventing someone from truthfully testifying about a crime. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, with the, the Dita Beard stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So he's willing yeah. to do criminal things to keep his job, to please the president, to please, you know, the, the president's right. administration. Yeah. I think well, and they part think of that it. they're morally justified. Right. Yeah, because, you know, nothing's nothing's more important than keeping the party in power. That's, right. you know, that, that was this whole problem here in the Nixon administration. But I think the other part is it shows how he sort of putting on an act to Dita Beard and we'll, we'll get to what he says to her, but he basically <laughs> says, you know, you know, family comes first, right? You have mm-hmm, to protect right. your daughter. That's and true, then he comes home. And then and he, is a complete jerk. Right. But he, he also, I think, but if he did not have that conversation with Dita Beard, he would have said, no, I don't want to play Scrabble. Mm-hmm. Because he had that conversation, he at least tried Successful. to connect with the family mm-hmm. and he just was himself. And so pissed off his daughter. Right. So I, I think it's sort of to show that like he is acting when he's doing these operations, but he also is his character sort of bleeding into his home life a little bit too, right? Like maybe I should mm. be with my family a little more. Maybe that is the most important thing. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good good takes. Could you imagine? I mean, it's it's the same thing, you know, it's it's you have to compare it or contrast it with when his daughter is in the bathroom and might be in danger. And he takes a call from the White House and doesn't go, hey, I got to go. I got a family emergency. He has a full conversation. His yeah. wife comes back. Oh, what did the doctor say? It's no. It, 
Could you yeah. imagine that? If I did that, I would be dead. My wife would kill me, I think. <laughs> yeah, for Hunt, uh, being in power, being connected to power is is the all of it. Is the That's the most it. important thing above yeah. family, which is different than what he says to Beard and what he sort of point. tries to implement later. So that's I think I point. think it, it serves a purpose. I don't know if it's successfully doing that, but mm. I think that's why the writers put it in. For Sure, I can see that now. Yeah, that's a good connect. So Dita Beard, let's talk about that storyline. Dita Beard, an employee of ITT, has confirmed with the press that she wrote a memo suggesting that ITT bribed John Mitchell with $400,000 in hotel rooms for the Republican convention. Posing as a lawyer, Liddy convinces Beard to go to the hospital for chest pain in Colorado to avoid testifying before Congress. Undeterred, congressional representatives fly to Colorado to depose her in the hospital. Hunt convinces Beard it is in her interest to lie about the memo. She does so, then fakes a medical emergency to end the deposition early. Hunt and Lydia are congratulated on their success and remain at creep. Boy, oh boy, this was the best part of the episode, I thought, was the Dita Beard operation. Uh, I really liked the disguises. You know, I loved how people are like, you know, you're not even wearing the wig right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everything I do is on purpose. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. You did not know that you were wearing the wig wrong. It's so good. And then he just doubles down when he puts the flowers in the cup. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like that they brought back the gate alterer. Yes. For, <laughs> for Liddy. Uh, yeah, for Liddy. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, him being a lawyer. That's another crime, impersonating a lawyer. <laughs> uh, it's It's not good. It's not a good look, guys. We're racking up the charges here. Right. Well, yeah, black ops, right? This is all black ops stuff. So, right. It, interestingly, I did some reading. I tried to do some Google searches on Dita Beard. There's not too much information. And the Wikipedia actually directs you to the to ITT and uh, some stuff about the 72 Republican convention, which originally was going to be in San Diego, but then ultimately ended up in Miami, I believe, because mm-hmm. of this whole thing, um, which is a weird thing because normally, the two parties don't have the their conventions in the same city, but in yeah. that year it was in the same city. Um, and I don't know if you how much you know about International Telephone and Telegraph Corporation (ITT). Not really. I was I did some skimming on their Wikipedia article. Whoa, what a, a multi tentacled creature that was. Mm-hmm. They started off uh, buying up a couple of local telegraph exchanges in uh, South America and then ended up uh, going to Spain and buying a bunch of stuff in Europe um, and then ultimately you know, working a lot in the United States. They were a massive, massive corporation. So for them, $400,000 in hotel rooms was nothing. Right. And they did it to get out of an antitrust action. Right. Yeah. You, you know, we're going to be nice to you. So you be nice to us when you get in power and we'll right. sort of, you know, make sure that you guys got everything you need for that. And right. it, it makes sense. So, um, yeah, they were huge corporation. Uh, they're still around, but they're uh, much, much smaller than they were. Right. Probably because of antitrust actions. I don't know that for sure, though. But uh, and, uh, yeah, and market stuff too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the reasons why today we don't like it when presidents direct the Justice Department to do things is because yeah. of things Nixon did. Yeah, exactly. And, it's exactly uh, right. Right, right. Because the Justice Department, I, I believe the FTC and the Justice Department both have antitrust divisions. And uh, the Justice Department is the one that goes after them like really hard. Mm-hmm. So uh, for him to call off his dogs like that, 
that's no good. That's no good, Nixon. Yeah, I think even uh, the whole inspector general um, uh, apparatus where each different department and agency has their own sort of internal enforcement person uh, was all a lot of that was set up directly because Nixon was using agencies uh, like the IRS and other things to exact political retribution on his enemies. Right, right. He did love to do that. He had his little list. (laughs) Certainly did. All right. Um, other things on this. I really liked the emphasis on family that we talked about. I really liked her whole personality of, <laughs> I, I think great. she was, they made clear she was a Republican, right? Yeah. She very was a clear. Republican. Yeah, she party. didn't want to hurt the next administration. She was just like, well, I don't want to go to prison for lying to, to people on a deposition. He's like, well, you're going to go to prison for helping with a bribe. And she's like, yeah, you're right. Maybe I'll just lie about it. <laughs> Well, good stuff. Dita Beard was a great little character. I don't know that we're going to see her much more for her bit part. So um, that was a, a fun little, yeah, that and the and the pitch for Project Gemstone were, were the good good stuff for this episode. And this is what saved their standing in Creep. Yeah. So I, I think that this is the very important part of this. I love that by the end of the episode, we're seeing them scouting the Watergate Hotel. Yeah, right. That's and and there's That's dissension among the, the team already at this stage. Right. How do we do this? Is it worth right. it? You know, right. what are we looking at? Yeah. Yeah. One guy yeah. was like, I'm six hours late for uh, some other kinds of appointments that I need to have. So <laughs> bye. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't know if this is true of the Watergate equipment, but I know that Nixon famously used cheap, horrible equipment to record his office conversations. Yeah. Right. And that's why the tapes are so terrible. Right. And I wonder if the same thing was for this and because, you know, I guess Nixon was trying to save money on his scandals and uh, and they're going to be complaining about that. Like this recording equipment is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty hilarious. All right, David, let's do feedback here. Sounds good. We got one piece from uh, our lore master, Brian, 8063. And he writes in, hello again, David and John. Great work. First podcast. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for writing in, Brian. It's really great when our Listeners get to participate in this way, especially uh, our Patreon supporters. Um, and uh, I remember during uh, White Lotus, we had uh, our chief correspondent in Italy, and, and we've got some other people. So I, I, we love uh, having folks in on um, on this level of the groundwork. Um, Brian continues, I also love the episode, uh, the last scene of episode one, when Magruder asks Hunt and Lydia about a budget. They get a million dollars. It was no problem. The Nixon campaign would ultimately raise $69 million, a new record. Nixon wanted to raise as much money as he could because he couldn't, uh, he didn't see a 1972 election as an easy one. A new finance law had just passed Congress, and there was a one-month window before the new law was enacted. So in one month in the spring of 72, Nixon campaign officials collected nearly $11 million in untraceable money. So um, Brian wrote in later to say that um, if you calculate uh, these sums, I don't know if it's the 69 million or the 11 million, but that's about 5 million in today's dollars. So a huge, wow. huge haul. 500 million. 500 million. Yes. Did I? Yeah. 500 million. All right. Uh, he continues, John, you're so right that because investigators and reporters had to sift through the money, it just took longer. The FBI, Bob Woodward, and uh, Carl Bernstein, and reporters from the Times, the New York Times, Time, and the Los Angeles Times were all following checks and cash. It wasn't easy. Uh, right. You can't episode- just go pull up somebody's transaction history at the bank. No. Like you can not- today. Yeah, it's, you know, it's much harder back then. Right. It's all paper. 
Um, for episode two, here are some of my favorites. I have to say that Kathleen Turner stole every scene. She was fantastic as Dita Beard. The scene in her living room was hilarious. Agreed. I don't even think Lydia was expecting someone like her. No, she was like over the top of yes. Lydia. You know, she was yes. putting Lydia to shame in her Lydiness. The scene with Hunt playing Scrabble, his family was good. After everything he went through with his daughter, Hunt still can't let go of the rules. It goes against every fiber of his being. But the thing is, is that he's breaking the rules of the law by obstructing justice and doing these black bag ops on American soil. Yeah. So he's a real contradiction. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's a, that's a great point is why why is he okay with this? I think it's because, you know, I'm going to compare it to Ted Lasso now. It's just like Nate. He just needs to be liked. He just mm, needs to have yeah, this reassurance right. that he's still valued by the U.S. government, by its bosses. That sounds, uh, that sounds a, a fair read. Um, he goes on, the gemstone pitch was also well done. Great artwork. Nicely done, CIA and HBO. I learned that Hunt was not in the room at the time, but it makes sense dramatically to have him there. All these schemes were really pitched to John Mitchell. So I think that was a change that's, uh, that's reasonable. You couldn't have just Liddy. Yeah. We have a duo here, and we've got to stick with the buddy cop stuff. Yeah. So I'm surprised that they don't have more John Mitchell in this because he was so central, but maybe it's maybe it's a let's tell a different angle thing. But mm. I know his wife was a, a big character in Watergate because she was a person. Martha Mitchell was known for she had this deep southern accent, mm-hmm. and she would be calling reporters and telling them about her husband's conversations. She was like big on that. She would just go talk to the press. Uh, she was given an award by the telephone company for being their best customer oh, as Lord. a joke. Oh, my Lord. Um, yeah. So so I think that that actually would have been a funny character to include in the yeah, show. I'm surprised sure. that they didn't. Right. And a and crazy thing that happened to her was when they found out that she knew something about Watergate, they uh, falsely imprisoned her. And had like a CIA. Per- I don't remember who did this, but one of the CIA, the ex CIA people, like falsely imprisoned her and like kept her in a hotel room and and tried to keep her away from the phones. Yeah, it was like a whole thing. It wow. would have actually been like, actually would have been a good uh, a good addition. episode. Yeah, I should have written if, this show <laughs> if if they had uh, a longer run or uh, more than one season. Yeah, that would have been a good good element to add. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Brian f- concludes, I'm happy with the show addressing all these past schemes before Watergate. Everything does not happen in a vacuum. Thanks again, Brian, 8063. Again, Brian, thank you so much. And we look forward to your email for episode three. John, do you want to give a quick shout out to our lore master Patreon subscribers sure, yeah. before I talk a little bit about our 100 member subscriber drive? We love our lore masters. We love all our patrons too, but we do our special shout out for our lore masters because that is listed in the benefits. Samarshan, Cyrus, Mark H, Michael G, Michelle E, David W, Brian P, Nick W, SC, Peter OH, Bettina W, Adam S, Nancy M, Lavinia T, Duve 71, Brian 8063, Frederick H, Sarah L, Gareth C, Eric F, Matthew M, Sarah M, and DJ Miwa. Thank you all so much. You are all heroes of this podcast you are keeping <laughs> our covert operations rolling that's right um quick uh, announcement about our one year anniversary we're going to turn one uh, july 11th and we really we kind of set a goal for ourselves this is my npr pledge drive action here if you are <laughs> an npr listener we want to break 100 subscribers uh by the time we turn one i think that would be a real milestone for us and it would sort of push us into um, 
uh, a new status and a, um, yeah, and it would it would help us a lot in terms of the financial outlays that we have to make to uh, keep this podcast running. So we've got some new benefits that we're lining up uh, that we'll announce as we get closer to that one year anniversary. But the big thing is is that we're going to send everyone a sticker. Uh, everyone who's subscribed at the end of July is going to get this specially designed, unique sticker. It says Lorehounds with our old school uh, second age script with the lion and the rabbit on there. And then it's going to have an Elvish um, inscription underneath it because this is a special sticker that you can only get uh, this one time. It's not going to be something we're ever going to have in a merch store or anything like that. So we'll send that, uh, f- you know, well, not free, but, you know, we'll, we'll send that as a thank you to everyone who's subscribed at the end of July to um, commemorate our, our one year anniversary. So if you've been on the fence and you're not thinking, you know, you're thinking about, oh, I should support these guys or not. We would really love to have you over, and we've got a bunch of new uh, features coming as well. So, John, programming notes for the rest of May. Quick programming notes. Again, we have This Show Weekly as well as Barry Season 4 and Ted Lasso Season 3, both the final seasons of those shows. Join us weekly on our feed for those. Uh, We also have uh, an MC Universe episode coming out this weekend on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 where we'll be recapping the movie with you, me, Jean, and Alicia. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Alicia, we've got her podcast, the Silo podcast, about the Apple TV show Silo, which is excellent. I'm really liking it. I'm even writing into her podcast. Nice. Uh, and, and her podcast is doing great. We'll link it in the show notes. And if you want to talk about Silo, she also has a channel on our Discord server. Uh, last thing I'll plug is we have a new Second Breakfast episode coming out this weekend as well. Uh, that's going to be on uh, Sausage and Conan the Barbarian. So <laughs> strange. Join mix, us for you know. yeah. Join us for some Schwarzenegger and some Schnitzel. Right. Some sandals and sausages. Yeah. There you go. All right, David. I think that's all for tonight, and I'm looking forward to joining you again next week. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Thanks for listening. A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning. This Star Wars Day, I'm excited to introduce the new Star Wars Canon Timeline Podcast, where we will piece together the complete story of that galaxy far, far away, in timeline order, from the dawn of the Jedi through the great unknown following the sequel trilogy. This is a podcast for both Star Wars superfans and complete newbies. Listen to the short intro episode now to hear how it works and what to expect over the coming weeks as we set the stage for the new television series The Acolyte, which we will be covering with weekly breakdowns. Subscribe to the Star Wars Canon Timeline podcast wherever you listen to take part in one of the most epic and expansive stories ever told, following all the twists and turns from start to finish. May the 4th be with you all, all month and beyond.